1: And welcome, welcome to, to, the to The Most Haunted, haunted,
0: haunted City haunted. on Earth. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Most Haunted City on Earth. My name is Madison Timmons.
2: I'm Chris Susie And I'm JT Timmons.
0: And today we are bringing you the second episode of the Conjuring House series. So this is part two out of three. Um, so... If you haven't listened to part one, go ahead and listen to that because that'll mm-hmm. give you some background of how they got to The Conjuring House. Also some weird parallels that will make a bit more sense as we get further into this series. Um, like this is,
2: this is the meat and potatoes. That's, what, that's yeah. how you described it, right?
0: Yes, this is the thick. The, yeah. the thick of it. How many C's? Um, like five C's. Oh. Uh. I,
2: that runs off the paper, yo.
0: Yeah, so I have read everything (laughs) and watched (laughs) everything on this i feel like i have inundated myself with conjuring content Mm -hmm. and i still feel like we're only scraping the surface of it um yeah to be quite honest y'all um though i've known this story for as long as i as long as the movie has been in my awareness yeah you know it's I feel like every single time I look into it, something new shows some up. some new
2: yeah, yeah. element to it, absolutely. You know, it's almost like we need to like go there. To really get it. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, if you're actually in the space, you might have a more yeah. complete
1: <laughs> Well-rounded opinion. I guess we should.
0: I guess we should.
1: Right. How, how, does, right. um, how does a
0: week or so sound? Yeah. yeah,
1: you're twisting my arm.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, actually. yeah, you know,
1: we should get the Ghost Brothers to come with us. <gasps> That's a great idea. <gasps> yeah.
0: Maybe you should see if they're available.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're awfully busy. So. They are. Just text them. They are. Oh, here it is. They're oh, coming.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. All right,
2: plane tickets are booked.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, don't worry y'all, if you didn't already right, know. If this is your first time listening to us, oh, yeah. uh, We're, we uh, are going to The Conjuring House.
1: We are going um, to The Conjuring House. It is well planned. Yes. It's not a spur of the moment decision. <laughs>
0: um, when is, so when is this episode going up, Jay? When When are they listening to this? They're
2: listening to this this Tuesday.
0: Okay. So... That means that in a couple days from when you're – or for a week.
1: This Tuesday. Okay. So this Tuesday. So uh, um, a week and a day.
0: A week (laughs) and a day. From when you're hearing this, we will be in The Conjuring House. A week and two days.
1: A week and two days. A week and two days. (laughs) A week and a day, I'll be in New England. Yeah. Yes. Tromping around.
0: Yeah. JT and I Well, from Tuesday – From when you're hearing this, JT and I will be up in New New York York first.
2: Oh, yeah. um,
0: Tromping around in that, which should be fun.
2: Yeah. Um, It's going to be cool.
0: It's going to be super cool. Yes.
2: And I wanted to let everyone know um, what type of para junkie exclusive uh, the para junkies are getting on this trip. Uh, Become a para junkie because it's going to be crazy. And then right after, we are going to book Waverly Hills, and we're going to do the exact same thing. Yes. The the, the most exciting thing in my mind, y'all are going to want that 12-hour uh, live stream, because what I'm trying to do is, we bought a bunch of phone batteries where... Um, we're trying to foolproof everything to have a continuous 12 hour live stream in the conjuring house, literally like you're there with us. Um, and it is going to be so fun. So that's like kind of like the big thing. We're also going to be making um, a exclusive out of the conjuring house trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is going to be a long it's going to be long form content. Uh, and then, one of the most exciting things is that we are going to start a trend. Now that we're going to all these, uh, these different places, all these uh, haunted places, we're actually going there. We're going to start a trend where we put Debria with the live stream alone in the most haunted part of where we're going. Therefore, Waverly Hills, she'll be in the body shoot She's alone. She's
0: reluctantly consenting to this, by the <laughs> way. Yes. So she, there is-
1: and, and we'll put her on record to say that if she truly – Stout, bows out we have to we have to let her bow out i i i am not gonna we're not gonna force her
0: but honestly no. that would be great kind too of. to see that's what i'm saying yeah, yeah. You know,
1: Maybe. We, we we have to allow for that <laughs> because yeah for everyone who watches there is a a a, a big teasing going on with Debria, but we're not going to literally torture the woman well <laughs> she will have to consent
2: yeah. She does. She, she did. Oh, I. I no, I, that's, I, what, yeah. I mean. that's yeah. what I'm saying.
1: Is, oh,
2: yeah. is, uh, but, but, like in the moment, the she's going to be like sake, freaking out. Yes,
1: <laughs> we can't be seen as people who are literally shoving someone in a body shoot yeah. who does not want to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, she is
0: consenting to sit. It, it will look in that cellar.
1: way. It will appear that way. Mm-hmm. I'm just one. I want to be on the record as saying we're not you know, acting
2: against her will.
0: She's, <laughs> she's not chained up. No, no, I no promise. definitely. So, but it will yeah, be so very entertaining. It will so. be so, it will be so entertaining. basically, the year.
2: whole idea is that like for the seller, what's gonna happen is she is going to be, uh, she is going to be given the live stream and on her own accord, go into the cellar and be alone. And honestly, like she is so funny. And she is just so entertaining like in those instances. I just think that this is just going to be the greatest When she thing. took
0: this position, I don't think she ever <laughs> expected.
2: She's our editor, by the she's way. Our if
0: you If you um, are just new to this world, Debria is our editor. She yeah. thought she was going to be in front of a computer uh, <laughs> all the time. Yes. But no. we learned
1: that she's highly reactionary to spooky things. Yes. yes. And, and, and that is the last thing you want to be. It's highly reactive because we'll, we'll turn a camera on. Yeah. Yes, yes, we will. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's going to be very fun. It is. Um, obviously, with the Ghost Brothers as well, they are hilarious. So it, mm-hmm. that's going to be really entertaining as well to see them mm-hmm. being in this house. And they've been to the house before. Yes. Yes. So that'll be interesting as well to see how their experience differs. It's from going be awesome. Plus, yeah. they'll
1: have information that we don't have. You
0: know, yeah, they'll, absolutely. They'll,
1: they'll have you know recall. And- exactly.
0: Exactly.
2: Yep. Uh, Jim uh, uh, said, Debrea needs a hero cape. (laughs)
0: Exactly. A ghost cape.
2: Ashley Werner said, Poor Debrea, that girl really must love her job. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't. All right, let's go.
0: (laughs) She does it for us. (laughs) And she's cutting
2: this. Like, like, I just love the fact that she's listening to all this because she cuts this podcast. She's listening to all this at one point and she's just like, Oh my God
0: she's, she's like, just like i have a family yeah, i have a
2: family <laughs> we're, we're you're
1: Debrilla, probably be seeing debria's comments come up on the screen yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah
2: absolutely yeah the youtube oh. people get so, a real treat out of that we have a lot of uh, meat and potatoes to eat yeah so let's go ahead and start scarfing
0: yeah let's start eating our grog mm-hmm. um so <laughs> oh real
2: facts uh chris do you like oranges i do okay cool Just no, just wondering I got a treato for you. Oh, Oh. a treato
0: i like Tritos. anyways okay uh well uh down to the conjuring house we go um okay so we're gonna start out where we ended the last time was like literally right when the family arrived at the conjuring right. house so now we are entering in their first month of living in the house which happened to be january when we are going to yeah. the conjuring Same house time that we are
1: showing up heck yeah
0: it's January 1971 when we are entering this house with them, um, and the winter is brutal. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. So
0: uh, winters in Burlville uh, are particularly brutal. Even though the family was from Rhode Island, the snow wasn't as frequent or harsh in Cumberland, where they were in the suburbs. Uh, they are also city folk. Um, though Carolyn is from Georgia, that does not help her case. No. She's got the southern blood still, so, oh, you know... Yeah. Um, But they often misgauged how intense uh, the winters would be in the country. Uh, And they weren't expecting winter things like digging out their driveway every morning to get to the school bus. Now, I'm sure some of you who are listening from, like, Canada, I know there's a few of you, um, and other northeastern New England folk are probably like, yeah, that's just a normal Tuesday for us, but right. for us Southerners, that sounds oh, horrible. Yeah. All,
1: all my friends in the north always send like, um, you know, video or pictures of them shoveling,
0: literally, uh,
1: and and then I send pictures of us at the beach. It's
0: like <laughs> <No>. <laughs> relaxing. <Today laughs> it in- was
1: in the sixties. Blah
0: blah. Oh, it was so frigid. Blah. Uh, but yes, and so the cold particularly took a toll on the family. Um, now, when it comes to this you know, warning of the winter. Uh, it kind of comes first with Mr. Kenyon, you know, our good old friend, Mr. Kenyon, the creepy old man who sold him the house. Yes. Um, so a weird incident happened with them. So they invited Mr. Kenyon to the house for dinner one evening and Carolyn had mentioned how cold she found the house and expressed regret that all the fireplaces had been sealed um, though that process had happened while the house was under Mr. Kenyon's control and he avoided the discussion and we'll sure. f- soon find out why um, he then went on to shift the focus by telling a story about how two men went in, got caught in a blizzard while walking from from Webster, Massachusetts toward Harrisville, which is like the nearest town, which is also a really weird like thing to do in general being like you know the house is kind of frigid why'd you seal up all the fireplace have you heard about the two men that died on the property
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh oh, table okay. conversation
0: you know natural tangent but anyways um he said it happened during the early 1800s when an old blacksmith shop stood at the right front corner of the property Apparently, the storm was very vicious, and the wind was so intense it created a whiteout-type condition that effectively blinded both men and forced them to seek shelter from the storm. These men crawled up beneath the foundation of the blacksmith shop, where they ended up freezing to death. Hmm. Their bodies were not found until spring when the ground thawed, and it was primarily due to the smell of death in the air. Oh, That was how they found the bodies.
1: Apparently, that is not uncommon for that entire region. I had, right. Uh, I have family in Vermont that talk about people sickles.
0: You know, people sickles.
1: People who are just frozen. <laughs> and 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 also, sometimes people would die during the winter, but there's no way to get them anywhere, so they just put them in the snowdrift, oh. and it would keep their body from you know decaying or rotting or smelling sure. until they can get it out. So okay. they'd have just bodies
2: out in the yard.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. I All mean, right. that would
2: make a ton of sense to put a dead body out in the in the winter. As as horrible as it sounds, because mm-hmm. you, it, like, you can't even
1: dig. Yeah. It feel not feel like it. you can dig into the ground yeah. for a grave, it's right? Like it's can, frozen. You know, yeah, frozen ground, frozen.
0: Wow. Well, yeah. Well, and it makes sense. And you know, they're not going to start decomposing until mm. spring anyways. Yeah. so it mm, makes sense. And
1: exposure <laughs> is a thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, people underestimate how how quickly nature can kill you.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, winter. That's
2: why it's called hyperthermia. <laughs> oh, oof,
0: oof. <laughs> well, anyways, after that bizarre encounter that Mr. Kenyon had, uh, the first real experience, uh, like paranormal type experience, happened in the house, and that was with Cindy. Now, Cindy, unfortunately, as you will see, Cindy got the like the really bad end of the stick here uh, for most of their time in the house. But Cindy's experience would happen in the hallway. So um, now Cindy was one of the daughters and. There was this hallway that connected the kitchen to the parlor. This is also where a lot of the activity, obviously, as you are listening through this, you'll note that this is where most of the activity stems from. It's right where that pantry is that leads down to the cellar. Now, they were late for the bus this morning and they can hear the bus driver beeping the horn. And so all the girls were trying to rush and get out. Um, So according to Andrea, Cindy had forgotten her books in the kitchen. So she ran back to get them. And as she stepped across the threshold of the kitchen door, Cindy was intercepted by a silky, smoky figure emerging through Mm. the cellar door. It placed itself directly in her path where she inadvertently body slammed the intruder. And as she did, it disappeared, vaporizing instantly.
2: Dang. Mhm. She body like
0: she low just low 8-year-old just into it. body slammed into this thing. <laughs> oh my god. She was in a rush. Yeah. So, um the apparition was indistinguishable, uh, more of a mass than it was an actual form, and at the impact, an intense odor and frigidity all but halted her, knocking <laughs> her back. She breathed the air deeply into her lungs and it made her cough and mm. uh, convulsively. And according to Andrea, Cindy, uh, or Cindy was normally full of boundless energy, as most eight-year-olds are. Um, but it had been completely depleted abruptly and inexplicably. She fell asleep at her desk, and the teacher called the nurse. And so Carolyn picked her up and put her to bed, and she slept for the next two days straight through the night. Okay. Really weird. Yeah. But it also sounds like she... Encountered some type of parasitic type energy that literally zapped her yeah. of her energy. Well,
1: yeah, and you know there are countless accounts of of, of breathing in a spirit, you mm-hmm. know, taking it into your body, and once it's inside of you, it is eating you from ins- inside. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so this is not the last time people will have encounters in this um, hallway, if you will, but they should have heeded warnings from their pets, including their cat Juliet. Yeah, so you might Juliet. remember Juliet because Juliet was one of the stray cats that they had at their old house, the one that didn't get the murdered. The sole survivor. Yeah, yeah sole survivor that was not murdered by the little boys. If you have not listened to that episode, you need to hear that to understand that part. But um, so they brought Juliet to, with them to this house, and she wanted no part of the new home. <laughs> huh. So Juliet refused to cross the threshold and had to be carried into the house where she would howl vehemently. Ooh. She was normally a very docile cat, but she became hostile and frightened and would hide underneath everything, only coming out when she was hungry or had to use the litter box. Eventually, she would start to warm up to the place, but really it was just her sleeping in the children's beds. Mm. Um, And she would get under the blanket and growl and moan for several minutes. She would also stand in very defensive like postures where her fur puffed up and ears slicked back, even though nothing seemed to be in the room um april would then get a puppy and no it was not sadie sadie never existed y'all even though that was a really cute wow. dog in the movie and don't sadie worry he didn't
2: exist
0: no, I think Sadie was based more off of Bathsheba, Bathsheba right. than oh. it was this dog okay. specifically okay. because of the way that Sadie they was killed. They would to imply
1: that trauma, right? Because that trauma was significant, and sure. so, but it didn't happen at the house,
0: exactly. Um, but April did get a puppy for her sixth birthday, and she named the dog Jennifer Rebecca.
1: That's quite a name for, a, <laughs> for, Jennifer, for a, <laughs> Rebecca. Yes. Jennifer Rebecca.
0: Yes. Jennifer Rebecca. Jennifer yes. Rebecca. Wow. And she was a Labrador-German Shepherd mix. Oh, um, wow. She was also a very energetic and sweet dog, um, but also would not go through the front hallway. Anytime they would try to take Jenny through there, she would instantly become defensive, and her posture would twist into that of an animal that looked like it had been traumatized or abused. Oof. Wow. And she was not. She was not either of those things. Um, so it was very bizarre. Uh, but she was absolutely terrified. So, as two girls in one go say, listen, listen to, to your, your pets. pets. <laughs> because they were right. Trademark. Ragged. Trademark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Trademark.
1: <laughs> we, uh, we 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 totally give credit of that quote to them.
0: Yes, exactly. Um But it's true. It is. If you're if your
1: animal is acting specifically strange uh, <clears throat> and it's focused at a location, stay away from that location.
0: One a- would animals think. animals are
1: are are better at that than we are.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The next bizarre situation uh, would happen to all of the girls, but specifically it hurt Andrea the most. Not physically, but emotionally. Now, uh, one of Andrea's most prized possessions was this giant slate blackboard. And uh, one of the games that all the girls would like to play together was school. Um, You know, smart girls. So... (laughs) Um,
1: It was the 70s. We didn't have a whole lot. (laughs)
0: Yes, exactly. We like to teach each other. And so uh, Andrea would be the teacher and she would basically teach her sisters whatever she learned in school that day. Um, So they would often play in the middle bedroom. But during the winter, sometimes the weather would get bad. And so they would have to move it out to the woodshed. Um, Now, there were odd instances where the girls would leave the room and all the work that Andrea put on the chalkboard had been smeared or erased. Mm. Mm. Um, Now, the girls were afraid to go anywhere in the house by themselves. So if one of the girls needed to use the restroom, then recess would be called and everybody went along. But by the time they got back, the chalkboard would be erased. Now, one time, Andrea said that Cindy was hungry, and so everybody went to go get a snack before dinner. And they were gone for about 20 minutes, and when they returned to the woodshed, the chalkboard had been completely smudged and twisted into a 90-degree angle. Whoa. That's a lot of force and really yeah. bizarre. Um, so this caused Andrea to be very upset and very angry. Several days after, though, the children decided that they were going to test it. So anytime someone needed to leave the classroom, only one person would go with them so that the chalkboard was never left alone. This seemed to work. But one weekend, Roger was gathering all the trash for the biweekly trip to the dump, and he yelled for Andrea to come help him. And when they entered the door of the kitchen, Andrea freaked out. Because they were staring at a massive pile of wooden slate smashed to pieces on the lower level of the woodshed. Mm. There was nothing left that could be salvaged. And because the parent family really didn't have any money at this point, there was no replacing it. And Sounds so-
1: like the spirit was angry that they had, they had, yeah. they had found a workaround.
0: Exactly. <laughs> huh.
1: So you don't want me to play? Fine.
0: Fine. <laughs> Then no more chalkboard for you. Um, And so Andrea made a big note about this because this was very significant to her uh, because that was her favorite toy. And uh, it was the first time any of the spirits had actually directly done something to upset the girls. Yes. So um, important to note. Now, this next one, I think, is very crucial to giving insight to what kind of entities we might be dealing with and it is the situation with the flies. Mm -hmm. Now, according to Andrea, um, within the first few days of moving into the farmhouse, there was a weird occurrence that no one thought was strange at first, but they had a ton of house flies. And so uh, Carolyn, I should note, she being from South Georgia, she was very used to bugs and stuff. So I think that really is where that lack of really acknowledging it came from is
1: january and rhode island right it's
0: weird though um so the first time carolyn and roger uh, were in the parlor at the house um these flies just started dive bombing carolyn (laughs) they thought it was funny at first and were making jokes but then they were both kind of perplexed because it seemed almost like they were targeting her but they couldn't kill them and so, like, they were taking, yeah. like, newspapers, yeah. and they were trying to smack these things up. Nothing resilient was killing them. Resilient flies. Yes. Yes. Very resilient flies. Um, so, that's
2: why you should get the Bug Assault 2.0. That's so right.
0: I also should mention... Actually, I think they the, the flies, yeah. as we're going through this, just note that if you read Andrea's book, um, the flies are a constant character in this book. Not There's, really. like, six chapters just talking about flies, practically. Wow. Um, so apparently, they seemed to come from nowhere and then everywhere, and it progressed enough that there was they were no longer just a nuisance. They were quickly evolving into a health hazard, and so they both thought that they must be breeding in the house and so uh even the children started noticing the strange behavior the flies uh had, in spite of all the efforts that they made, no matter how much you killed them, they always seemed to be there. And they were all the same size. There was mm. no sign of babies. Mm. And they often gathered inside the windows and would incessantly buzz. So wow. you can imagine just thinking about that irritates me. Like if I, <laughs> I could not it handle that. right? Um, like, you know how like when bees gather, like and it's like yeah. it's like it, it's the worst noise. And so I can only imagine how irritating that must have been. Uh, But after a few weeks of fighting about Roger constantly smacking the flies because he literally bought so many fly swatters, (laughs) y'all, this man was constantly killing flies. Constantly. Like, that's all he did was kill flies while he was home. And so Carolyn got really annoyed with him because she's like, will you stop killing flies? Like, she's like, honestly, I'd rather just have them if you would just stop. Sure. So. Roger, after that, after they would fight about it, Roger eventually convinced Carolyn uh, that they needed to get professional help, even though she didn't really want that because she didn't want the chemicals in the house around the kids. Sure. Um, so they brought out an exterminator. And one time, and the one time the flies weren't being absolutely insane, it was when the exterminator oh, was course. there. Of course. And the exterminator came back to Carolyn and Roger and told them there were no bugs.
1: Mm. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. So, eventually, later down the line, like way down the line, um, uh, when the Warrens came to the house, Lorraine Warren would tell Carolyn, you can't really kill what's already dead. Mm. So, um, (laughs) typically... When you're infested with flies, unless there is, like, a rational reason and you can find where the nest is, if you can't figure out where all these flies are coming from and the fact that they are all the same size, they are behaving bizarrely, it doesn't seem like They're anything's killing them.
1: aggressive, highly yeah. aggressive,
0: yeah. A lot of times that is highly associated with demonic-type presences. Yep, specific um, demons, yeah. Very specific demons. Was the omen that... Like a plague. I think the omen horror. has it. I think, uh, oh, I, I the think omen. there's a scene oh, the in, in, yeah, and yes. uh, uh,
1: the Amityville horror yep. yeah. Yeah. has has a scene where they. It's 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 well known enough that people have utilized it in so many stories yes. because the one thing that we really know about flies is that they gather on 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 the dead, mm-hmm. and so flies have always had this connotation. Of you know of of. of being around death and being around decay and rot, and um, and it is the calling card of, of very specific demons. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and especially coupled with some of the other t- calling points of the particular entities in this house, it's very concerning that they have these Heck fly yeah, issues. Huh? So, just remember the flies while we're um, <laughs> <laughs> while we're going through this, but. The f- and now we're going to move into one of the first instances where somebody actually was physically harmed by um, an entity in this house. Okay. Now, Carolyn seemed to get the brunt of the physical behavior in um, the first time this would happen. What happened in the barn? Now, uh, when Carolyn first toured the property with Mr. Kenyon, he took her into the barn because he was very proud of it. Um, he said that it had weathered some of the worst storms on record in New England history, including the hurricane of 1938. So he was like, this thing's been through everything. Sure. Uh, but anyways, so Carolyn admired the barn. But one thing she didn't remember seeing was a hand scythe hanging overhead. And she thought that she would have noted that because it was dangling precariously from the highest beam more than 30 feet from the ground. She brushed that off, though, because the barn was very dark and she might have not noticed it or it might not have been there at the time. Well, a few weeks after living on the property, Carolyn left the house for a few minutes to admire the barn. And she had been fantasizing about what she was going to do with it. So she was going to maybe put a pony or a horse or maybe some other animals in the barn. It was very well equipped for that. Mm -hmm. So. Um, And one of the girls, I think it was Nancy, had like, that was her like one thing. She's like, I want a pony for the house. So I I do want
2: a pony for our house.
0: Yeah, it's understandable. Um, Good luck. Now, something Andrea notes in her book is that the barn was cold inside and that the air was deathly still. It was also eerily silent.
1: Okay. so she's speaking year round. I'm yeah, injured. I'm because like, that's yeah. what I was like, because it's a few like, weeks after moving in, it's still like February, uh, right? You know, yeah,
0: <laughs> so no, this is year round, okay? Like, okay. it's always just making sure yes. <laughs> that,
2: that that's that's just so the so it's the, like blazing yeah. hot out, and, and you, it's you go, freezing go in, and cold. And it's yeah. freezing yeah. cold, okay? Yes, yeah,
0: so yeah, Carolyn, definitely demons. Well, and so Carolyn wondered why it felt so much colder inside than it had been outside. Um, she was. Also very warmly dressed at the time, she had a thick cotton turtleneck, a woolen sweater, and a very heavy leather jacket, but she was still shivering. Hmm. Um, When Carolyn turned to, to exit the building, she distinctly heard a strange sound from above her head, magnified by the still air. At first, she thought maybe a bird had been trapped because it sounded like frantic fluttering of wings, but no, it was a hand scythe, and it was flying directly toward her. Ooh. She mm-hmm. says Mm-mm. that it resembled a kind of boomerang thrown with velocity spinning in wow. circles again and again and the object appeared to be hovering overhead, literally defied the law of gravity, and suddenly it headed precisely towards her. Whoa. Carolyn could do nothing to move herself and she was paralyzed, unable to retreat. And it struck her hard and the blade sliced across both her neck and shoulder, then laid beside her boots. It was still, but she still felt threatened. She didn't realize that the multiple layers of clothing she had worn actually protected her. It literally ruined her leather jacket, and if wow. um, y'all know how, if you've ever had a, a really nice leather coat, it's pretty hard to rip things. Yeah, like, I mean
2: that's why they—that's why motorcyclists it used to be armor, you exactly know? Yeah. <laughs> leather armor. Yeah, motorcyclists yeah. that like you know they can if they if they wreck like yeah it's a exactly yeah, road yeah, sure, rash. Yeah. yeah,
0: this thing was destroyed. Like wow. Literally, she was not—it wasn't her jacket anymore because it was literally ripped open. But Goodness. Uh, what scared her the most, though, was the fact that she had been unable to move or simply step out of the way. She didn't know how it was possible that a dangerous tool had been placed so far out onto a narrow beam, suspended more than 30 feet high. Mm-hmm. Apparently, apparently, Carolyn had been the only living soul in that barn at the time. The only other person on the property at that time was April, who was six, and she was inside the house. Okay. Now... Years later, though, Carolyn would find out that Mrs. John Arnold, one of the women who originally lived on the property, died by suicide and was found hanging in the barn precisely on the same beam from where the scythe had fallen.
2: Hmm. Whoa. That's crazy. Now,
0: remember that name, Mrs. John Arnold. It's kind of hard to forget because it sounds like a man's name, but it is the woman of the house. Sure. But Mrs. John Arnold, I think, will come into play with a certain spirit later on.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Um, Now, the next spirit – now, there was a couple spirits that were particularly nice. um, But also some of the first spirits that the girls would encounter included one – Um, Now, this was Manny. Uh, Manny was the first spirit that the children would note. Nancy saw him the day the family moved in, and he was perched inside a doorway watching Mr. Kenyon finish packing. They did not perceive him as a threat. They said that he was a kind and gentle spirit, and Andrea says that his warmth transcended the pervasive chill of death constantly surrounding him. Gracious. He's kind of a protector of the home is what I've gathered from Manny um and that is not a name that he gave them that is uh what april i believe or it might have been nancy one of the girls named him that because he's a man so he was
1: annie wasn't it the youngest
0: yeah april mm-hmm. yeah oh, april. Wow. um sorry no you're good yeah. um so april probably named him that because, because it, he was a man yeah he was a man and so he's manny <laughs> he's manny uh, Manny the sense. man exactly um and the other spirits that were often around uh but not evil were the baker boys And they seemed to just not notice the presence of humans. And so Andrea said it was strange to encounter them because usually it was on the landing of the bedroom stairs and they'd stare straight through whoever was witnessing them. It was a father and a son, and they would often survey the property from the portal disguised as a window. Now, uh, most of this activity, so that those spirits came around before this particular situation that i'm about to tell you about next but a lot of the negative encounters happened after
1: this event yes
0: (laughs) carolyn prying open the fireplaces remember how mr Kenyon had closed off all the fireplaces and then avoided the conversation well we're about to find out why oh boy so carolyn um Eventually, she got so frustrated by being cold to the bone all the time, she decided to find a rusty crowbar and go to work on the fireplace. Um, now, mind you, Roger had not been there for a while. Roger, for the most part, was always gone.
1: He's a traveling salesman.
0: He was a traveling salesman. And so Roger just... He also didn't want to deal with Carolyn for a lot of the time in this house. They weren't like that in their old home. But once they moved to this house, he was like, I can't deal with her. So he was always finding reasons to be gone. Um, So Roger had not been there for a while. So Carolyn found it was her responsibility to handle things like this. Um, Now, when she pried open the face of the fireplace, it revealed bricks, horsehair plaster, newspaper and twigs. And apparently, whoever sealed the hole used anything and everything at their disposal to do so. Now, the parlor was filled with trash while she's doing this because it was literally stuffed to the brim. And April, the youngest, was tasked with helping Carolyn fill bags after bags of the stuffing and then haul it off to the woodshed. She had no idea, though, that when she disturbed the fireplace, she would inadvertently trigger a lot of supernatural activity in the house. And that same night... Would be her next encounter with a malevolent entity. Oh boy. Now, later that night, Carolyn was going to take a shower uh, when a neighbor, Mrs. Pettigrew, stopped by. She was dropping off a cake because she had known that Roger ha- was out of town and she was trying to be friendly. And mind you, they're in the middle of nowhere. So, like, this woman had to, like, trek to get to their house in the middle of winter. But, uh, Carolyn went to go grab a robe to cover herself and she grabbed it from the warm room, which was basically just a closet that for some reason kept heat. Um, When she was in the warm room, a large coat hanger lifted from the rack beside her and then began hitting her repeatedly on her head and neck. Oh, Lord. Carolyn began to scream, which, of course, caused panic to everybody who was in the kitchen because all the girls were in the kitchen with Mrs. Pettigrew because Andrea at that time was making dinner. And including their house guest, they all rushed into the warm room and witnessed the vicious attack. Nobody believed their eyes. Mm. After witnessing Carolyn getting smacked up by a floating coat hanger (laughs) Uh, Mrs. Pettigrew leaned closely to Carolyn and told her the Kenyans always kept their lights on overnight and all the lights every night, uh, all the lights every night. And she reached for Carolyn's hand sympathetically. And then after she left, Mrs. Mrs. Pettigrew never returned again. Sure. Now, Carolyn had be, uh, been hit in the same place where the scythe had hit her months earlier. Mm which is really interesting. Right. And so um, now, after that, after Carolyn had pried open the fireplace, a horrible smell would fill that room. The house was also something that cons- uh, they considered more than cold, it was absolutely frigid. She was trying to get out, uh, get it out of the house before Roger got home that night. But deep down, she knew that it was something parent, like ab- abnormal, paranormal. She felt that there was an evil presence that she could not see or hear, but she felt. And every time Roger and Carolyn seemed to, uh, be at odds with each other, Carolyn also, um, Seemed to be growing sicker and sicker over time. She was constantly in pain, and she was losing weight. But Roger still thought it was all in her head.
1: Well, of course, well, that's that's the classic, uh, yeah, uh, husband in a horror movie situation. <laughs> but
0: he t- he's like still very staunch that they're like all throughout their time living in this house. He's like, there's no ghosts. He just would not. He refused to believe that there could be anything like that. And I think it's from fear. Um, But deep down, Roger not believing Carolyn truly was the issue. Uh, So I think that was where a lot of the resentment you would see in their relationship throughout their time living in the house uh, came from. But it would come through a lot of time through petty situations where they would lash out at each other. Vietnam particularly became a major point of contention between them. Sure, uh, because Carolyn loathed Richard Nixon, but Roger was a staunch Republican, and so that didn't help. And so that would not help at all. Yeah, um, Carolyn also felt abandoned in her marriage, and she uh, also unwanted by the house and her husband. Wow. So Carolyn looked as though she was rapidly aging and often looked gray. She also felt that the more that she got to know the various entities in the house, the less she was able to grasp reality. Sure. And so the smell, back to the smell part of it, the smell was the worst part, though. It smelled like death and everybody noticed it, including Roger. Hmm. Um, Something that Andrea noted was that when arguments broke out, the paranormal activity in the house had an uptick. Some of the spirits would make themselves known to break up the fight, but it seemed that some liked it, and the uglier, the better. They would try to add to the fight. Mm. Yeah. Which is. In a way, it makes sense as well yeah. because, you know, when you're fighting or arguing, a lot of times that can that's good energy that's, for yeah, spirits. Heightened
1: energy, spikes of energy.
0: Exactly. So they're like, mm, fat, ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> but, fat ghost. Fat um, ghost. Now, Carolyn and Roger were good at it. They were very good at fighting. And so Roger often slept on the couch or found reasons to be on the road. Uh, the children were afraid of saying the wrong thing and uh, creating a disruption. So – The consensus um, was that basically they're like trying to keep the peace as much as they can. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now, another interesting point that Andrea noted uh, after the fireplace incident, when all the activity started, she started noticing that twilight was often when the paranormal, uh, paranormal activity began. It was the same time when the spirits began crossing over in and out of sight. As shadows cast by soft waning sunlight, those who did make their presence known during the day were mischievous or simply oblivious to the mortals. Those who made their presence known at night were uh, there specifically to frighten or deliver messages as a warning to those left alone in the dark. Mm. The spirit that was usually the one that alerted people was the spirit of a little girl who was calling for her mother, and she was usually the first to arrive. Um, She would first arrive at sunrise, huddled in a corner of Cindy's room, silent, and looked like she was hiding from someone at dusk. She would reappear again. Um, Now, Roger did have an experience. And his experience would happen in that same pantry. You know that hallway where the animals are like, I don't want to go in there. That's where Roger had his first experience now roger would take a week off from the road to stay home to finish renovating the fireplace and he and carolyn stood at the facade discussing what to do and how to proceed when they would hear a click behind them it sounded like raw iron against raw iron and they turned to see and they find the latch had been dislodged from the pantry door and it slowly drifted open now this wasn't the first time this happened this was happening to carolyn before Roger had seen it, but this was the first time Roger is seeing it. Um, But it slowly drifted with its own free will when uh, Carolyn tells Roger, ever since I opened the fireplace, that pantry door refuses to remain latched. He, of course, gives logical explanation that she must have shifted the weight on the floorboards. I guess, you know, it's an old house. As long as
1: you got explanations, you know,
0: you know, sure. Although I'm like, Though the house was built in the 1600s, one would think that a fireplace, just taking a facade off of a fireplace, wouldn't shift the floorboards that much.
2: Is that the pantry door? Yes. Okay, cool. Um,
0: I'm about to show it. He walks over to tighten the latch. When he reopens it, he steps back, looking like he was overcome by sudden nausea. The stench prompted this expression. You know, our good friend, the rot smell. Oh, yeah um carolyn tells him that she thought she got rid of that smell but there was no getting rid of it um they moved out of the parlor to try to get away from the smell when suddenly a drastic plunge in temperature happened they could see they could each see each other's breath as they spoke these weird occurrences prompted carolyn to tell roger about what had happened with the coat hanger of course he goes on to say you accidentally knocked a coat off the rack and it hit you Carolyn then peels back the fabric of her shirt and exposes the bruises on her neck and shoulder. And of course, Roger says there is no way in hell a coat hanger could have done this kind of damage. Mm -hmm. This prompted another fight because Roger did not believe Carolyn and she had and that she had made up her mind um, that something had obviously happened. Roger leaves the room and suddenly swings around thinking that someone touched him. He moves as if he's trying to swing at an intruder, but no one was there. Oh. Which makes a lot of sense as we get yeah. further into things that someone would be touching him after a fight, almost oh, yeah. comforting him. Yep, yep, yep. He dismisses it and just goes about his tasks. That night, Roger decides he's going to wrap the latch to keep it shut. Um, so he takes twine and binds the latch into a bunch of knots. And that uh, that would be extremely complicated to undo. The next morning, Roger woke up early and when he came out of the bedroom, he immediately noticed a mound of twine on the parlor floor Mm. and that the pantry door had opened again. The room was flooded with that foul smell again and the room was frigid. Roger goes over to the door, closes it and instantly the room is filled with the smell of laundry detergent. (laughs) The weirdest thing was, is that the twine had been shredded into thousands of tiny shreds as if it had been clawed at at for hours with sharp fingernails. Hmm. And they said, because Andrea, I immediately thought, oh, well, the cat might have done it. But Andrea specifically said it was not possible for the cat to have done it because, one, the cat had been in bed with her, but also the cat wouldn't go into that hallway. Mm -hmm. So there was no way the cat was going to claw on some twine. Um, Now, later that morning, well after the rest of the family um, had gotten up, they were all eating breakfast. Uh, Roger tells all of them to finish eating and then go upstairs and get dressed for church. Carolyn and the girls were stunned because not they had not been to charge in a very long time due to abuse allegations of those from their former Catholic parish in Cumberland. Now, um, after the fire replacing, one would think they would have noted maybe we shouldn't do any more home improvement on this house. Maybe that's upsetting things that did not that was not the thought process they had. They decided to do more a home renovations specifically in the kitchen right next to the pantry sure of course so roger believed that there was a possibility that the flies were breeding in the ceiling so that was the reason enough for them to tear it down exposing the beams now carolyn decided to take a head start at this and so she started smashing into the ceiling but just a small corner of it And luckily, she did have the forethought to bring a flashlight up with her um, onto the ladder. And so she peeks into the hole, but she doesn't see any evidence of flies breeding or any life at all for that matter. And when she got down from the ladder, she felt a shiver travel up her legs and distinctly heard the sound of a door cracking, particularly the refrigerator door. So she assumed April must have been rummaging for a little snacky snack, but April was not there. Um, she was April was in the parlor playing with her dolls. So Carolyn closes it and goes into the parlor and to ask her, she asks her, why did you leave the fridge open and why didn't you answer me? Because I guess Carolyn must have said something right to here. April. Um, and so uh, after she says this to April, April goes, uh, I wasn't mommy. I've been playing with my toys. The issue of the cellar door opening would remain a constant issue. The refrigerator thing, that was a one-off chance. That could have been any of the spirits. But oh. the cellar door, that thing was constantly opening, and everybody knew it when it was. So Now, none of the girls disclosed any of their paranormal encounters that they had for, to their parents or each other for a very long time. Andrea says that she wanted to ease her mother's stress. Nancy thought it was kind of cool. Christine resorted to a uh, planned ignorance strategy. Um Cynthia was too frightened to breathe and let alone speak of what she had seen and heard. And April did not want to disclose her newfound playmate. Yeah, that little. Wow. Well, um, yeah, yeah. The the f- little friend uh, that April plays with in the movie—they call him Rory—and we'll talk about Rory um, later on. But that's not his name in uh, real yeah, life. Changing
2: so much up about the movie. Yeah, because like, well, the movie is wild. Is. Such a
1: fabricated yeah. uh entity, and so you know when you're basing something on a true story, you have to also remember that you're trying to create something cinematic. Um, I, one of the things is a lot of these events are played out over a long period of time and are mm-hmm. highly isolated. so what we're going over makes it sound like just endless, endless you know turmoil and torment, but the actual events themselves versus the time of of not events. Is, is, I, um, I saw in an interview, Andrea saying that she would say that in the 10 years that they were there, there was only 24 hours of actual paranormal interaction. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just spread out because, right. th- th- these things like a door opening and we're telling it is like, that's really creepy, but that's just a, a few seconds of something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, when you're making a movie, you're like, well, you want it to it be, in. yeah, as, as, as concise as possible. Yeah. yeah, you know, it all has to land on these people right at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's actually a good point to bring up because this next story, um, of what happened to Carolyn actually she noted it only lasted a few seconds, but it sounds much more dramatic and it was, it was very traumatic for her. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's a good point to the story is a good point to aid the fact that Andrea was saying that the more malevolent spirits come out at night. So now Carolyn's usual routine at night, uh, was that she would walk through upstairs to take the girls in or tuck the girls in and then uh, go around the ground level to turn off all the lights. And when she went through the bathroom to into the kitchen, she suddenly got hit with the smell of that really gross odor. Um, And this was a usual occurrence at this point. So she ignored it and went to bed. Now, one night uh, after that, a smell hit her. She went to bed and Carolyn curls up into it. And she, mind you, had a fire going that night because there was always a fire in this house, um, which honestly was probably a good thing for them. Sure. um, Because it seems that light has an effect on these spirits.
1: Yes. um, In
0: ways. But she had a fire going that night because the house was so cold all the time. Uh, And so basically, she heard the sound of ignition that sounded like a swoosh. She left the bed looking into the parlor at the fireplace, which was no more than about 14 feet from where she stood. And it had completely gone out. There was no fire, but she could still hear the noise. It was a horrible, crackling, combustible noise coming from behind her from inside her bedroom. Carolyn saw the top of her dresser erupt into flames, sparks jumping like fireballs. Fire flung itself all around the room, and then in a second, it was gone. Carolyn fell onto the floor like she was suspended from an invisible wire. She cannot recall how long she remained there before recovering enough to stand up. She went to investigate the furniture, but really all that was left was a sheen of dust on otherwise clean, undisturbed wood. So now... The spirit that could be associated with this, because I think the spirit that was really trying to break Carolyn the most was, is probably, huh, oh. thank you, our trito has oh, arrived. lovely, a yeah. An Italian trito.
2: <clears throat> yeah, it's not a sponsor, but I knew that y'all would need a little drinky drink because it's a lot of, it's a lot of content to get it through. Is.
0: It is. Ooh, that's very nice. Um, but free. yes. So the spirit that particularly is the most notable of this house was one that tormented Carolyn the most. And it's what I like to call the Broke Neck Lady. (laughs) The Broke Neck Lady. Yeah. Um, Now, the first time anyone encountered the Broke Neck Lady was at night. Um, Now, this the first time it happened was on a night that Roger and Carolyn decided to go on a date and they actually had a good night, y'all. I know most of the time they are like at each other's throats, but this night they decided to go actually go to an Italian restaurant. They went (laughs) to a movie. They were enjoying themselves and they got a babysitter, all the things. Um, Well, after they got home, um, they went to bed. And at 515 a.m., Carolyn stirred, hearing the sound of footsteps crossing the wood of her bedroom floor. She went uh, she sensed the presence, but assumed that it was one of the girls. So she says, "What's the matter, honey?" And as she opens her eyes, she sees the figure of a grotesque woman hovering above her. Lord, Carolyn was staring directly into the torso of an apparition. Carolyn writes in her journal that it was dressed. In a rusty green jersey dress, handmade, hand-dyed fabric belt cinched at the waist with an oval buckle covered in some fabric vintage clothing from another time. Ugly beehive, had head of hornet's nest, broken neck snapped hanging to the side, no eyes, no mouth, gray mesh cobwebs, no hands, no feet, just floating above me cold so cold can't breathe vile evil death no bureau gone coming closer cold can't breathe so close too close Wants to touch me don't touch me head draped at an angle once once a kiss dear lord oh my god wow she wrote that like right after it happened too so this is like that's why it's a little incoherent yeah, it's kind of y'all stream of consciousness yeah um and so with its black stick uh, sticks as arms, it flops down across her pillow uh, as uh, as the entity lingers over its head curiously cocked at one side as if it was studying her. There is no face, only a swirling, rancid, massive, rotting flesh resembling a dead desiccated hornet's nest covered in what appeared to be a mesh of black and cobwebs flimsy without with wiry hair carolyn grabs a fistful of roger's hair and starts shaking his head back and forth to get him to wake up his body was limp and lifeless wow carolyn grabs the blanket towards her and it caused it to fall off Roger, revealing his torso. And in horror, she sees his back and shoulders and even his rib cage have been deeply abrasive. Cut up. Cut up. Yeah, he was cut up with scratches as if he had been clawed to death by a wild animal. Wow. Her clock had stopped at 5.15 a.m. that night. Andrea comes down that morning and tells her that she had a dream of the exact entity she had encountered last night and that it wants to hurt her. That is when Andrea tells her sometimes I hear voices before I go to sleep. I can't understand what they're saying to me. I don't like to be in the bathroom alone. It feels like I'm being watched like I'm being looked at. Well, you know, it's embarrassing." So stuff moves around my desk while I'm doing my homework and you know what happened to my chalkboard. And then Cindy runs downstairs frantically saying, mommy, you had a really bad dream. It was terrible. Then Roger busts into the room. Everybody's waking up at the same time, mind you. And Roger then opens the bedroom door, battered and bruised, covered in, um, clawed bloody abrasions. And he's rubbing his tender scalp. Um, then Roger yells, what, uh, what the happened to him? Carolyn just stares at him. Her eyes are vacant. Roger then says, get dressed. We're going, We're to, going church. to church. We're going to church. We're going to church. That is Roger's <laughs> reaction to every paranormal a encounter. Solid, uh, yeah, it's a <laughs> yeah. solid
1: plan. We're going to church. Going exactly. to church.
0: <laughs> it's
1: like it's Tuesday at
0: and 11 so, o'clock.
1: I'm going to church.
0: But mind Woo. you. It's kind of bizarre though, because they went to this church and I didn't write this down, but I remembering it from the book. Um, one time though, I think a lot of people in town knew about the occurrences of well, this of course, house. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, so. And so they were sitting in church after, I believe, this incident, and there was this old lady sitting in front of them who turned around and looked at Carolyn and goes, You bunch of Satan worshippers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you didn't want to tell them, like, hey, you might have a demon in your house. Uh, but, yeah, they still went to the church that knew they were all Satan worshiping.
1: Well, you imagine that uh, uh, somebody goes into the house that you know to be infested with demons and they're still, you know, operating it's like yeah, right. oh, how they still operate well they must be in league with those demons
0: well they must
1: be you know uh, <laughs> they must have made a deal with that demon that that mm-hmm. house
0: well there's also the point too that I know Bathsheba, in our minds, sounds like this happened a really long time ago. But if this woman was old in the 70s, there is a person that sh- um, Carolyn talks to who knew Bathsheba. Right. So it's very possible right. that this Bathsheba woman. Bathsheba was
1: a late 80, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. 1800s kind of uh, figure. And um, Bathsheba lived to, to be old. Exactly. You know, a lot of people don't realize that because we've meshed a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. We've meshed the Mrs. John Arnold story with the Bathsheba story, because a lot of people believe that Bathsheba is the one, and they believe that she was hanged as a witch.
0: Exactly. Which
1: did not happen. Um, but that is where the the thought of like the strength of a story and how how people whisper things and how, how it how it passes on, that people talk and create a certain pocket of reality. And that pocket of reality is the demon's name Bathsheba. Doesn't mean that we're dealing with Bathsheba Sherman
0: exactly. as much
1: as it is the Bathsheba of legend. You know, we've we've created a legend, and now there's an entity out there. You know, because there's also this thing about this specific de- de- description of the the hornet's head nest, the hornet's nest head, the black stick arms. Because now you're, it's almost like an effigy.
0: Exactly. It's
1: almost like you know. Uh, Old, frightening uh, witch practices of, of, of taking twigs and building, you know, a, a form out of it to carry out your darkness because you don't have a body of your own, that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to dig in here.
0: Exactly. Um, so Cindy then comes to Andrea and um, is starts the uh, streamline of all the kids just divulging all of their paranormal experiences to Andrea Um, so Cindy tells her, Annie, I keep seeing things in my bedroom and my toys move all around. Um, if I run downstairs to go pee or tell mom something, my toys are all moved. And when I come back, I know it's not April doing it because last time I was the only one playing up there. Everyone else is outside the whole time. Um, they talk to me, I see them, I can feel them all the time. And so she tells her about the lady who comes after she, is tucked in by Carolyn. And so there's one woman who comes in first, and she tucks me in and gives me a kiss, but I don't feel the kisses. It's not mom. I know it's not mom. She smells different than mom does. Mom smells like soap, but this lady smells like flowers and fruit. Now, remember... For the next episode, everybody make a mental note that this entity smells like flowers Flowers and and fruit. fruit.
2: Flowers and fruit. Because There will be a test.
0: There will be a pop (laughs) quiz. Because I think that this is a very particular entity because of this phrase in this description. But anyways, so just make a mental note of that. But then after she leaves, another lady comes late at night. It always says three on the clocks. And when she wakes me up, I feel her first. She makes me so cold, and then the room stinks. Mm. She's the one that hates mom. I saw her in my bad dream when mom was screaming. The ghost wouldn't let me go help her. I saw it happen. So now we're going to go into Cindy's hauntings before we end today's episode. Now, Cindy one day was playing in her room, but suddenly she was frozen in place directly before her eyes an entity of substance slowly approaching floating above the surface of the bedroom floor horrified. She could not move or could not breathe the air appearing as some form of a solid mist. Cindy identified the uh, apparition as a woman by her garb, She had no features, only a grayish oval mask with a cocked head. She drifted across the room, arms outstretched, extended toward her. And it says, come here, little girl. Come to me. Uh, JT likes that. I do like that. Yeah. Cindy runs downstairs and tells her parents a lady came through the chimney closet door and she tried to take me. She says she loves me, mom. Cindy also Aww. kept, it's not cute. That's sweet. No, it's not cute because she's trying to take the spot, if you will. Um, Cindy also kept hearing this phrase, there are seven dead soldiers buried in the wall.
2: Ooh, seven Lord. dead soldiers buried, buried in, in the, the wall. wall. And I like this part.
0: Cindy had no reference of any of the war that had happened. None of the family knew about the wars that had happened on the property, um, because obviously the land, even before the house was, um, you know, used by native Americans. There was a period where the native Americans were being run out there. It was also site of a lot of bloody battles during the American revolutionary war. Mm. Um, all sorts of bloodshed had happened. So it was very, very possible that seven dead soldiers would be buried in a wall somewhere. Um, But yes, now, now is the time to talk about our theories. All right. After divulging into so all So much going on, my this brain.
2: Is
1: why I,
0: I know. said and it's heavy. a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot.
2: <laughs> it's so much. There's so much going Madison on. Madison has done, like, I'm just, I'm, this story I'm so proud of you, babe, because you've really, you've done such a detailed job with this series so far. Like, seriously, like, this is crazy. This house this has, has kept me up at night. She's, not yeah, for
0: fear. <laughs> not for
2: fear, but from work. She's She has been up at night, like, just on the iPad going through different articles and doing different research reading different journals so mad respect yeah but yeah so what y'all think
0: so um and i'll give more detailed explanation but i think there are two matriarchs of this house one is a good matriarch and one is a bad matriarch and the bad matriarch is trying to gain control of the house this is um so the good matriarch... I
2: have a photo of the bad matriarch if you'd like to see.
0: Oh. Oh, did you put that in the AI to mm-hmm. see? Nice. Um, so the good age matriarch, and I'll give you more explanation of why I think this in the next episode, I think is Abigail Arnold.
2: Okay. Sure.
0: Um Because the property was owned by the Arnold family, and there are multiple people from the Arnold family who passed away on the property. Um, and... That description will make a bit more sense. Abigail has been seen on the property and interacted with a lot. Um, and she seems to be more of a protective spirit okay. than anything. Um, and also one that gives warning. So it would make sense that she'd be checking in on the children and things at night. Now, the bad matriarch, I think, is Miss Sean Arnold because of the broken neck.
2: Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: But. There is a theory that we'll divulge more in the next episode that Andrea discusses of it being an ancient entity that is posing as Mrs. John Arnold.
1: There's a chance. There's a chance that what we're really looking at is something that is uh, a force of nature um, because it's calling upon a lot of iconic um, Mm -hmm. uh, announcements. Uh, the stench of death, the the flies, yes. things like that are, are 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 more than your average ghost conjures up for you know haunting purposes. There's a lot going on in this house. Um, there's also a chance that um, you're especially if Mrs. John Arnold was deteriorating at some rate mentally. Um,
0: she was 90 when she committed suicide.
1: What I'm saying is yeah. there's a chance that it's a single spirit split in two. Oh. A spirit that has its its youth version and a spirit that has its corrupted version. Interesting. Um, because uh, especially if it were some physical malady uh, that uh, that caused the brain to go sour – Then you have basically this loving character who was, you know, whole at one point, and Mm -hmm. then this distraught version. Um, And part of that, like, possibility is that this spirit goes through its cycle. It arrives early in the evening as its, you know, whole self, and then deteriorates as the evening goes on. And then by five o'clock in the morning is full monstrous mode, you know, by three o'clock in the morning. You know, so you're you're basically watching a Jekyll and Hyde situation,
2: mm-hmm. where
1: you know, um, because that's another thing. Since they both have sense, since you're smelling both of them, the question is, is the rot you're smelling the rot of the flowers, and you know, mm. like that rot. So, uh, it's it's fascinating. Um, I think that was the first time that I I I, I heard uh, Caroline's journal entry. Mm-hmm. And that description of no hands, no feet concerning. And, uh, well, you know, because it's um, uh, if anyone saw the Blair Witch Project, uh, you know, the, those little twig figures um, common in folk horror, common in, uh, in 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 stories of witches making, um, you know, these uh, these edifices for themselves. Uh That's a really interesting thing because now we're now we are talking about what if this is, you know, a an indigenous curse, you know, because this was Mm -hmm. where um, the King Philip's war was fought. And that land was was wrenched from the indigenous people by force and by blood, you know, and there's a lot of interesting things. Um, And uh, within the last 10 years, they did take LIDAR out, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, a ground penetrating radar. Out to the grounds and they found an anomaly uh, where it appeared that there were they found five pockets in a in a wall on the property that they believe could be
0: where what? people are buried. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which we'll is there's
2: two more
1: somewhere. Yeah. But, yes. Yeah. Well, they're thinking the that, that beyond yeah. the wall, there's probably more, but they only got as far as the wall.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, I'm sure there are people buried all over that property mm-hmm. that isn't. we aren't privy to but um my other big thought process here is i do think that the house is a portal of some sort absolutely Yes, um, yes yes there's too much transient type activity of course there are the main players here in the spirit realm but that's important to note is even if it is a portal, spirits can still choose to Absolutely. be there. But it's the fact that they're coming and going specifically at certain times, almost like clockwork, right. is telling me at least that there is some type of thinning there where they're able to come between the two realms. Yes. Um.
1: Yeah, and I would say that it's probably the seller.
0: I would completely agree. Yeah. I think it's the seller. Um. And good luck to Brit. an interesting point, too, is that that I didn't mention in this is there's a quote from Andrea that she called the house is a um, portal that is cleverly disguised as a farmhouse. Right. And I'm like, it's a really good way of putting it. Right. Oh, I, yeah. right. I completely well, agree with that.
1: In our in our last Conjuring episode, we we definitely discussed how it almost seemed like fate was engineering Mm. the parents arrival Mm -hmm. to the farmhouse, um, which suggests that there is a, a larger goal involved because when you really think of the impact of that family in that house on the awareness of these entities, this is really a way for those entities to, become even more solid, even more powerful, because the more awareness that these spirits have, the more, um, the, the more validity that people give them, the more energy and the more power they have to draw upon. So um, this is almost like fading spirits going, we need people to know we're here. Mm-hmm. How do we yep. do this? Well, we can drive a family into such a frenzy that their story will become universal will become you know it's
2: an interesting take
0: it is it's just um, I just feel bad for Carolyn anytime I read anything about her it's just it feels like something was literally draining her life force mm-hmm. um, all the time she well, was, Carolyn is the
1: one who named Bathsheba the dog mm-hmm. right yes which again just sounds like there's something yeah uh, drawing every, all, drawing all of the power and I think Carolyn is is probably the key to a lot of this oh
0: yeah absolutely
1: um, and you know we're we're in South Georgia
0: yeah <laughs> and, and
1: we know we know a thing or two about about that that South Georgia uh, ghostliness and if if Caroline's whole family and, and, and life was here then yeah there could be generations of of something uh, built up inside of of Caroline
0: exactly um But y'all, let us know what you think uh, down in the comments, especially if you're on YouTube, let us know. And we Um, have
2: one more episode of the Conjuring series, and that happens this coming Tuesday. So a week from now. A week from now. Cool. Yes. And uh, will it be just days before. Yeah, yes. it will be just days before.
0: Just days before. Um, so or yes. Or if you're a
2: pair junkie and you're on the live stream, it's about to happen. So yes,
0: yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, let us know what y'all think. Um, other than that, though, my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And stay spooky, y'all.